I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house. Even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite- Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. Own iconic luxury items at Unreal Values with The Real Real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury from top designers at up to 90% off retail. Every item is authenticated by The Real Real's team of experts, and new arrivals come in daily. New customers receive an automatic $25 off at checkout. Shop in-store, online, or download the app and get 20% off select items with the promo code REAL. Real. The RealReal.com promo code REAL. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On, the true crime review podcast that digs into podcasts, pop culture, and this week, we'll look at the latest from Dan Taberski of Headlong, Missing Richard Simmons, and Surviving Y2K. It's called Running From Cops, and it's right in the middle of our wheelhouse. We'll also talk about that surprising twist at the end of last week's Game of Thrones, and find out if Toby was actually the Night King all along. Mm, He was. Joining me to get that done and more is my real-life husband and true crime co-author, former TV journalist and our heroic substitute host, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Well, it was a tough job, Rebecca, but someone had to do it. Are you recovering nicely from moderating the show last week? Oh, you mean from doing all the work from the podcast while you went to Mexico with our kids (laughs) and had a week's vacation in the sun? Yes. Yeah, I think I'll be fine. (laughs) And also with us is journalist, true crime author, former defense investigator, licensed private investigator, resident rage walker, and future international cat smuggling kingpin, Lara Bricker. Hello, Lara. That's me. And boy, do I have some cat stories for you guys. (laughs) Save it for the after show. Save it for Patreon. We're also going to talk on Patreon, by the way, about your uh, inability to get home from a foreign country. It's all going to be on the after show. I'm going to tell you, I actually am going to have a whole episode of Leave It to Bricker about that. And I have some good tape. (laughs) Okay, fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. Girls always work and bringing her recorder to a foreign country. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Laura, speaking of Leave It to Bricker, uh, we didn't mention last time we brought this up, like a listener actually named your podcast. Who is that listener? That would be Emily Van Norden from Mm -hmm. L.A. And I have to apologize. So many people sent me name suggestions and their Twitter handles were like not really their real names. So I I had to find out who she actually was because her Twitter handle was Superwoman. Mm. Uh, How'd you know it wasn't Superwoman? Well, I didn't. (laughs) But now I know. This is like knowing who like Superman really is, Clark Kent. Um, (laughs) So anyway, thank you very much, Emily. Yep, there you go. The news is out. And um, all I'm going to say is leave it to Bricker to get stranded in San Juan 
for nine hours, but record it. Wow. So uh, mm. tune in next week for that. So you didn't technically record in a foreign country. You recorded in Puerto Rico. Uh, which is yeah. not a foreign country, by the way, America. Before we hear about, we have uh, we have some really great listeners. We from sure Puerto do. Rico. That's part of our country. Did I say foreign it. country? No, I did. When I said that. I didn't oh, I'm know sorry. that you weren't. I know talking. San Juan. Yeah. I didn't know you weren't talking about recording other places, which I think was also American territories. You actually weren't in a foreign country. Yeah, I, yeah, I was in I a was... foreign country, though. Okay, I yeah. got a, I got my geography mixed up. All right, guys. Well, we don't want to. We don't want our our international. Uh, listeners listeners to be upset. They're all going to laugh at us. Yeah. Tw- <laughs> 23% of our listeners are from outside of the United States. I think most of those are from you. Uh, Australia Canada, and the UK, sure. right, though? I mean, they love their well, true Canada, crime. Canada, Australia, yeah. the UK. All right. Well, and we're pretty big in Japan. <laughs> In Kazakhstan, for some reason. <laughs> I think that's a bot. It's a bot, all right. And finally, our captain of woke cynicism, the author behind the noir novels known as the City Trilogy, and our Patreon book club host, Toby Ball. Good evening, Toby. Hail, fair Rebecca. <laughs> what? I bring you greetings from Castle Winterfell. <laughs> <laughs> some such bullshit. <laughs> but how will I be able to see that it's you because it's pitch black there all of the time <laughs> here's a tip do not watch that episode if you've had a few drinks it is even more confusing oh really I thought I wasn't having enough drinks uh, <laughs> well we're going to talk about that in just a second I just want to do a quick Patreon rundown plug for our listeners who are our patrons there's a ton of new stuff up there if you haven't been checking your email there's going to be an after show from tonight's show yep. and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be Laura Bricker's uh, Adventures. Toby's uh, podcast about Fatal Vision, the book club, is going to be on the feed when, by the time this podcast drops and a brand new Mary with podcast. There's a whole lot there. A whole lot. We're all doing overtime. Overtime. We're for working, our Patreon We're working hard for your $6, people. We're working real hard yeah. for your $6. <laughs> yeah. We don't, want ever, we don't want you ever to say we didn't give you anything. $6. Yeah. Really. It's yeah. a lot. It's a lot. And you get that like a lot of times a month. Anyway. All right. Well, before we get into the show, uh, we actually have an update that we want to share with our audience. And it's of the personal nature. And I'm not going to have you do an echoey voice, Kevin. But yeah. this is a Kevin Flynn health update. And it is going to affect our future production schedule for the next few weeks. So we just want to share it with you guys now. Kevin, uh, yeah. we're springing this on you. Okay. Well, as you know, I had surgery for uh, thyroid cancer. Um last month and I still have cancer and I need a um, another surgery uh, which will be in uh, about two weeks and um, it's not the path we thought we'd be taking um, but that's where we're going it's been you know hard having to explain this to my children and um, my wife and my parents but I've had such incredible support from our listeners. Um, It's surprising how many of them have had something similar, especially thyroid cancer. Mm. And they've been really great about sharing their stories with me. And uh, although I know um, that this is uh, the prognosis is, is excellent. You know, just every time we thought it was one thing, it ended up being yeah. something else. And yeah. the people who do this every day kept getting fooled. And so, yeah. I mean... Uh, it sucks. Yeah. I mean, someone's the 1% out of the 99%. And I just, I'm hoping it's not me. Right. And I'm concerned about 
you know, what this might do to my speaking voice yep. in the short and long term. And I don't know how that's going to affect uh, podcasting. But we, we've demonstrated already that we can uh, get a fill in and the show will continue to chug along. So if I have to miss a week or two, I'm sure the th- three of you can find uh, a suitable replacement temporarily. Can we find a replacement that's as sexy, though? That's the question. I don't know. I'm just way, <laughs> <laughs> I'm way too sexy. So, um, so it continues. Um, and I, I look, you know, radiation is also probably down the road for me. But I, I want to thank all, all the listeners and, you know, reached out on Twitter and sent emails and continue to do that. You know, it's, t- it's tough telling you this. But in the end, you know, it's, it's going to be good. There's a lot of you who've been through it, continue to go through it. And so I take strength in what you've done and what you're giving me. And um, you're a great gift. And that's my health update. I mean, Kevin, I think that, you know, obviously I'm more in the loop on this than people who are hearing you talk about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I mean, I think our audience is wonderful because they're here for us no matter what, but also they're really pulling for you. And of course, if you need to take time off. It's fine. Oh, I am your boss. Okay, boss says it's okay. You can have the time. You can take the time. I don't have to file a complaint. Yeah, the labor relations board. You have to file a grievance, Kevin. Grievance. An HR complaint to me. So, Kevin, is it okay with you if we pick up this conversation and kick off our after show this week and talk more about this? Because I know that Toby and Laura probably have questions because. This is the first time they're hearing about it, too. Yeah. I didn't want to say anything until I found out more. And, and I found you just out today. found you know? out. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we'll talk about oh, it more wow. on the after show. All right. So moving on. Kevin, are you ready to get into the show this week? Hell yeah. So I really want to talk about last week's Game of Thrones, even though I know by the time this episode drops, there will be another episode for us to talk about, episode four. Mm-hmm. But as my son Henry put it, episode three of Game of Thrones, everybody knew it was going to be this epic episode. Episode three was, oh my God. As a fan, I thought, wow. As a DP, I thought, fuck. If you take Hard Home and you take Bob and you take the lake and you add them together, add a five by four, you have episode three. And it is relatively rare these days in the era of on-demand content that there is a television event that captures like the TV viewer imagination to the uh, scale that Game of Thrones has managed to do for this long a period of time. And last week's episode was was up there. It was a television event of the who There's shot no must see TV of the who shot yeah. Jr. Magnitude, yeah. correct? Yeah. So that's why I just wanted to talk about it and kind of get your guys' reactions to it. Um, we are going to be discussing spoilers for the end of episode three of Game of Thrones. I do think the statute of limitation has passed on that. But skip past this if you don't want yeah. to hear it, because we're going to talk about how it ends. Lara Bricker, what did you think of Arya Stark flying out of the sky, doing that little knife trick and stabbing our frenemy, the Night King, in that little midi t-shirt hole that he had there <laughs> and saving all of humanity in the moment? Lara Bricker, what did you think of that ending of the episode? It was just so fucking awesome because <laughs> not only was it Arya, but it's like a girl and it's a badass girl. And if you think back to the beginning when she was like, you know, season one and she's this little girl and she wants to learn how to like use her sword. I had the blacksmith make it for you special. I won't hack a man's head off, but it can poke him full of holes if you're quick enough. I can be quick. You'll have to work at it every day. How's it feel? Do you like the balance? I think so. First lesson, 
sticking with the pointy end. I know which end to use. You know, it just was such, it was just perfect. Um, but I was totally not expecting it. I was like, whoa, where did that come from? My, my other girl power moment of the episode was when, what's her name? Is it Liana? Is that how you say it? Yes. Liana Mormont, who stabbed the giant in the eye right. while she was being killed. I was just like, I love that we've got these like badass girls taking on the army of the dead. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is awesome. Kevin, what did you think about the ending of episode three of Game of Thrones? I was going, whoo! <laughs> got a bunch of people over and I threw my hands up like it was a football game. Yes. Yeah, it was great. It was it was it was a good ending and it finally uh, it was we could finally see some of the action happening. It was so dark. <laughs> it was dark. It was so confusing. I still don't know who died. Yeah. I'm like did, I, I'm still waiting and like his next week going to be like all these people were like, "Oh, we didn't know they died." You mean this week, <laughs> the one that happened last yeah. night? Yeah. This week. You'll know by the time this episode drops. I mean, very few people died. And I think the internet has exhaustively talked about how dark the episode was. Mm -hmm. Figuratively. I am just going to say the sound was very fucking poorly mixed again. But I do know that it works on headphones and on small screen. So whatever. (laughs) That that subject has been well trod. Toby, I know that you are not a huge fan of the show. So I'm I just I'm dying to hear your doubting Thomas, captain of cynicism, take on episode three of the final season of Game of Thrones. Lay it on us, Toby. Well, first of all, it's not so much that I'm I'm not a fan. It's just I don't watch it. So yeah, okay. yeah. I know what he's getting at. Wait, doesn't that literally mean you're not a fan if you don't watch it? Well, sometimes you say I'm not a fan, meaning I don't like it. Right. Yeah. As opposed like, to I just don't watch it. That's what he means. Right. It's like you're not in hell. You're just in purgatory. <laughs> Go ahead, Toby. So there are a couple things, one of which is when you're watching it with like absolutely no context, like this is the worst kind of episode to watch because- Literally all it is is just people like battling Mm. and if you don't know who they are, you don't really give a shit. Right. So it just after a while I just fast forwarded. I was like, it's just gonna be a battle the whole time and it was. So (laughs) I watched like forty minutes and I just fast forwarded through the rest. Yeah. Because it was hard to see and I couldn't tell if that was like good Mm. like for me, because I didn't really know anybody, so I didn't really care. Or whether (laughs) it was just more frustrating. Watch that shadow kill that shadow. I didn't know what the hell was going on. And then the other thing was that uh, <laughs> the thing I didn't get, and maybe this is because I haven't watched it, but it seemed like if they were really thinking things through, they would have just had the dragons just blast them all before yes. they even got going. And yeah. not send out those poor Dothrakis who they could get completely yeah. obliterated. Yeah, they just no all reason. got killed. And then they yeah. waited for everybody to like kind of like flow in. And then they were going up and down the line. But I wasn't sure if they were actually getting other people too or whatever. So I wasn't quite sure what was going on with that either. Yeah. John so. and Danny were freaking useless in this episode. They were useless. Well, I don't know. I felt pretty bad for Danny at the end. I, I have to say that I got pretty emotional when Jorah got killed. Yeah. I was I Captain was not Friendzone. as emotional as Yeah, I was like, <laughs> that poor guy. I mean, Jesus, he didn't even get laid. Now he's dead. <laughs> he also got you know? all of his skin peeled off by Samuel Tarley with a pair of tweezers. <laughs> all that stuff. And then he's like, then they propped him up the last time, and I'm like, oh my god. God, this is just horrendous. Yeah. Well, the one thing that was disingenuous about that to me is she was crying for him and it was like this moment of like what could have been like nothing could have been. No, it was never going to happen. No, no, yeah, no, 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 no. He was just her dependable high school friend that like, yeah, was always Always going to be that guy. You know, in the the books. It's like Ducky. Oh, you're going to be that guy right now? The in the books guy? I was going to say in the books. Yeah, he totally has a a longing for her that's very apparent but also in the book she is like 16 years old yeah 
And he's like in his 40s or something like Ew. that. Ew. Okay. You know who he looks Just like? Saying. How much does he look like? Remember Richard Chamberlain mm-hmm. who played Father mm-hmm. Waterwaste in the Thornbirds? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't oh, he look God, like Richard Chamberlain? He looks like the guy from uh, Downton Abbey. He is the guy from Downton <laughs> yeah, <it's> Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone on this show has been on Downton Abbey at some point. You know nothing. So speaking of uh, British actors, Laura, did you have you noticed that our favorite British all-lady cop show, the Rizzolian Isles of the UK, Scott and Bailey, uh, the mm-hmm. actor Saran Jones is now on that new HBO show that's coming out. Um, oh, yeah. Gentleman Jack? Yeah. Yes, Gentleman yeah. Jack. Aren't you so mm-hmm. excited? Maybe we'll talk about that in the show. I am, because I need something else to watch now. I'm like, geez, what am I going to watch? Well, I'm still in, you know, obviously Game of Thrones, but this was the big one this yeah. week. And if you like ladies and cops and stuff that happens in the UK, guys, you should watch Scott and Bailey. It's super fun. It's not super heavy, but it's super fun. Right, Laura? It is. I love I binged it. And I, I saved the last two episodes because last season was only two episodes. And I just couldn't bring myself to watch them for the longest time because I just didn't want it to be over. Uh, it was like my favorite thing. I wanted to, I thought I was like their personal friend by the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it so much. Final Game of Thrones question before we move on. Predictions. Is oh. there going to be another twist and who's going to sit on the Iron Throne? Kevin, starting with you. Am I supposed to guess who's going to be on the Iron Throne? Yes. Or or, or, or what do you, I, how do you think the series is going to resolve? Uh, you know, I still think it's supposed to be Jon Snow and that Tyrion will die in a heartbreaking way because we love him too much and a lot of other Aww. people will die. And Jamie's going to kill Cersei. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think Tyrion will be killed by Bronn, mm. the sellsword. Those are my predictions. Okay. Uh, Toby, you have no predictions because you don't know anybody, right? Oh, I have predictions. Oh, what are your oh, predictions? predictions? Oh, oh goody. Yeah, oh, I'm I can't just, wait okay, to hear I'm this. Give some predictions. <laughs> 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 Toby's like, it's going to plagiarize Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Just like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo exactly. plagiarize that other thing. <laughs> I just want Dinklage to make it out alive. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Laura? What are your predictions for the end of the series? It's hard to, I mean, because like you have what you, you kind of were like, oh, I hope it's Jon Snow and or that him and, you know, Danny finally get together and they, they are together well but that they stay together because now there's a little bit of like friction there because he's the actual rightful heir and because she's his aunt ew yeah because it's fucking creepy so (laughs) i don't know so you're like okay what's gonna you know so you kind of hope that but at the same time now i don't know if you've all seen this like conspiracy theory that's going around that Bran. Bran, how do you say it? Bron, Bran, Bran is the Night King. Bran, yes, yeah. So the the th- no that that he is actually like not um, up to good trying to help people. That he actually has like some other motive about what he's doing. Yeah. So that's going to be kind of interesting. I just I don't know. I kind of am hoping that Jamie Lannister and now the knighted Brienne actually finally get it on because that is really what I've been waiting mm. for. Mm. All right, I'm going to say Sansa is going to either be on the Iron Throne or be the ruler, but from the north. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie is going to kill Cersei. The uh, Hound is going to kill the Mountain. Yes, I predict that. And oh, yeah. uh, Danny and John are both going to die. Oh, hmm. I don't know. Danny's going to die Ooh. for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, she's turning into the Mad Queen. That's how I feel about it. Don't at me, guys. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> should, should we move on with our other discussion of the yeah, evening? Yeah, let's do that. Let's get it done. Let's get into our True Crime Podcast review. This is what people are paying the big bucks for. Not really. No, they're not. All right, okay. <laughs> Dan Taberski's podcast anthology, now known as Headlong, is back for a third season. After missing Richard Simmons and surviving Y2K, Taberski is Running From Cops, a six-part series looking at the long-running reality show about law enforcement and the bad guys they chase down while on patrol. In 1989... 
a new show popped up on primetime television that was like nothing anyone had ever seen before. The concept? Follow real police officers with video cameras as they arrest real citizens. I would say that in the history of television, this is a pretty grand statement, there is no simpler, better show than the format of Cops. Cops was the first real reality show. Now, 30 years and over a thousand episodes later, not only is Cops still on, it's everywhere. On cable, in syndication, it's on 15, sometimes 20 times a day. Just this past week, it was on 70 times. A constant drumbeat about policing in America. With his usual humorous touch, Dan probes whether these TV ride-alongs accurately portray everyday policing, what it's done to the public's perception of law enforcement, and whether the on-camera suspects are fair game. New episodes of Running From Cops are coming out weekly on all the apps, but the entire series is now available on Stitcher Premium, and we have listened to it all. So we are going to be talking about plot points from the whole series. I don't think so much that it will ruin it for people who have not listened yet. But if you want to avoid any mention of the last couple of episodes of Running From Cops, you may want to skip to the spoiler-free review in our show notes. I have to tell you guys something about Dan Taberski and this season of Headlong Running From Cops. Yeah. Uh-oh. Toby? <laughs> I'm going to read you a DM that Dan sent me on Twitter several months ago. Are you ready? Oh, no. <laughs> He was talking about this season, which was coming out, and he said, I don't want to oversell it, but you all, I hope, are going to flip when you hear our new season coming out. And then he said, maybe, just maybe, this will be my first legit thumbs up from Toby Ball. Maybe. (laughs) So here we have Dan Taberski, very successful podcaster, who does not necessarily need the crime writers on bump and cares very much, even though you technically gave a thumbs up to Surviving Y2K, it was not super enthusiastic. He cares very much about whether or not you, Toby Ball, (laughs) like this season of his podcast. So, Toby, do you just want to spoil us right now? Is Dan going to be disappointed or happy? Taberski is just going to have to sweat it out for about another 25 (laughs) minutes. Good answer. Good answer. Goodness. I like it. There's so much suspense in this episode. There's a lot of suspense in this episode. Now, Kevin, um, one of the things this podcast promises in the first episode, because Taberski is very good at setting up uh, premises of shows Mm -hmm. and promises and then delivering them, I think, he says this will change the way we all look at perennial reality show cops forever. Did it change it for you? I, I don't know if it did that for me. It, it's funny. He pointed out a lot of stuff that in retrospect, you're like, yeah, that was sort of like right there. You know, it was hiding in plain sight. Mm. Uh, you know, a lot of the things about, um, you know, like why would somebody uh, pay, you know, s- sign the release and, you know, all, all the different stuff about uh, arrests and the reason that police departments, uh, nonetheless, it was very eye opening. Mm. And, you know, the example that they gave of suspected police misconduct that made it into the show, mm. yet yeah, was was uh, also very troubling. I didn't really have a, a terribly high opinion of cops. <laughs> I didn't have a low opinion of it. Yeah. I kind of understood it for what it was yeah. and kind of already, under you know, knew that, yeah, this stuff's all edited down. And so it's not going to be... Uh, you know, this is what happens in five minutes of a real traffic stop. Yeah. But not a lot of people feel that way. 
Well, one of the things that I love about the way Dan does these stories, mm-hmm. and I, I do think he selects stories that he's particularly well suited to tell on purpose. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's mm-hmm. smart that way. He is an unabashed television consumer, right? Yep. And he admits, like, he doesn't spend time in the podcast telling us, this is what COPS is. This is why it's important. This is why we're doing the podcast. He's just like, I've watched hundreds of episodes of this TV show. It's on all the time. You may not think it's popular, but it's really freaking popular. Mm-hmm. It's on 70 times a day. Jesus. Laura, his, like, pop culture sensibility and his ability to sort of, like, bring us into this landscape, can you relate to that? I know you're not, like, a huge COPS viewer, but do you feel like that is a relatable and it does it make him the right person to tell this kind of story? No, I think it does because, I mean, I think I've watched COPS, like, a handful of times and I was like, yeah, this show is stupid. I'm not watching this anymore. Like, it just irritated me because it was just so kind of over the top, like Jerry Springer or something. But I feel like he definitely, he kind of appreciates it for what it is. So especially when he's out doing interviews with people, um, I love the little asides that he throws in about, (laughs) don't say that, or you better not admit this. And then he just throws in like some random stuff about like the Golden Girls and how he also (laughs) likes to, and I'm like, I appreciate the Golden Girls too, because it's kind of like nice background. It's very soothing. Like it's very calming to watch the Golden Girls. Oh, it's not soothing. Golden Girls is hilarious. But it is, it's just kind of like relaxing. So no, I think it's definitely, um, he's the right one to tell it also because of his background uh, you know working in reality TV which he brings up as he's talking you know he kind of has a window into what's going into making the show so yeah well I do want to just drop a, a quick clip because you did mention Dan's asides and I said this before when we've reviewed his other podcasts the reason I think Dan Taberski is one of the very best people doing podcasting right now is that he writes for himself so well some might say local government meetings are boring and really long I've been waffling on what I was going to speak on. I had several issues. I would just like to read. On the other hand, some say they're really long and boring. It's the Ten Commandments. Petroselli looks exactly like he sounds. He is meaty, just a big brick wall of a guy. And uh, to show <laughs> Big and beefy. Now, Toby, one of your first notes to me about this podcast is one of the most interesting notes you've sent, I think, uh, before we've done one of these shows. And you said, and I quote Toby Ball, this is the most political thing I think we've ever talked about. What do you mean by that? Well, I guess cops is the most political thing that we've had, I think, uh, a show that talks about it in ways that kind of expose, you know, the politics behind it. And and so that I think it's hard to talk about both cops and then talk about running from cops without it getting at least in some ways political, because what, it, what cops really does is it lays out this vision of what's going on in our country that, you know, I think is at odds with reality, but I I think does feed into uh, political things that some people try to promote and try to use as excuses to do things. Right. I think it's as much as we possibly can, you know, we, we keep like, you know, real politics out of this. But I think in this particular case, you know, it's really hard to talk about this stuff without talking about sort of, you know, what, what's the ultimate goal of this and, and what's the effect it has on the people who are viewing it and then the choices that they later make. And so that I guess that was my point is that I, you know, I think it's hard to have a conversation with that about this without it getting political. Hmm. Well, I think the podcast goes there. And I think that's one of the most interesting things about it. And I think, you know, his episodes with the sheriff, his, uh-huh. uh, his conversations with Sheriff Ozzie, who is to me one of the more frightening characters we've met in any podcast that we've heard interviews with law enforcement and his take on 
you know, hate and violence. And he's not talking about white supremacists. He's talking about something else Uh that is disturbing. Because five cops died because of radicalized hate. That's why. We all saw that coming. Everybody in this nation should have seen that coming. Every leader in this country should have seen that coming. And we did nothing to prevent it. We allowed that hate to divide this nation. And that's what LIPD is struck into. This nation is fed up with that. For me, one of the huge revelations of the podcast is the performative nature of cops and how it has influenced not only socialized Americans on how it's okay for police to behave, but how it's trained future cops for how cops behave. Super interesting yeah. stuff. And yeah, kind we of You hear political. about that in episode six. Yeah. Towards the very end about how the cops who are coming up now, it's been on the air for 30 years, that they grew up watching this. We hear it in the episode yeah. one with the little kids playing cops. Yep. Playing, <laughs> yeah. playing cops. Like uh, totally, like authentically, it was like kind of stunning. Sure. I found this video on YouTube. It was made pretty recently. It's two kids who recorded themselves playing cops. Not cops and robbers, but cops. Oh, there's the suspect right there. We're going to chase him down. They're maybe 10, 11. They're in a big field in the country. One kid is driving around in an ATV. That's his cop car. And he's chasing his buddy, who is the suspect. Get down on the ground! Mimicking perfectly the language and the cadence and the tactics of the police on a show that was launched before these kids were even born. Get down on the ground now! And kids have always played cops and robbers and always will. But it's interesting to see how the TV show has influenced how the kids play that, but also how the actual officers conduct themselves and how they conduct themselves, more particularly, in front of a camera. Right. And while the the incident from uh, Georgia, I believe, is where the, uh, the court case comes from, we hear about in the first episode, Dan doesn't say this, but, you know, we all sort of uh, know that this looks an awful lot like this cop tampered with the evidence and planted, you know, so that the test would be. And why? Because he does this all the time. Maybe, maybe not. But it seems more likely that he did it because he'd been there for five nights and didn't get an arrest and wants to be on the TV show. So, you know, you definitely can see, you know, the way that it changes you know, just the presence of the cameras themselves changed the conduct of the officers and the presence of the TV show itself changes the conduct of law enforcement. And that also changes the public's perception about what law enforcement does and what it should do and, you know, what what the life of a cop should be. And it's not like that. Yeah. You certainly don't watch yeah. cops and see them going to get coffee. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house. Even in my super-secret hiding spots, 
So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Now, I do want to talk about a little bit about the story structure of Running From Cops. It's a little bit different Are from some of the other... That? Yes. Oh, okay. A little bit different from some of the other podcasts that Dan Dabrowski has put together, which I think of as more twisty and turny type podcasts. Mm-hmm. Missing Richard Simmons was very much like a week by week as things happened. He changed editorial. I think Surviving Y2K was very much like it took a turn. It took left turns and then right turns. And, you know, it, it ended up being something very different than you thought it was, it was going to be at the beginning. Stories. Yes. Yeah. And this is much is structured much more, I think, traditionally in some ways where there is actually a thread that begins in episode one that then is followed through the episodes. And we hear in the several threads, but the way that it's sort of framed is around the city of Spokane, Washington, and their city council president, Ben Stuckert, who is trying to get TV reality police stuff more regulated in their city. Now, Toby, before the break, we were talking about this being a political story. And this is literally a political story in the story. Uh, And I'm curious to know, what did you think of the way that Dan structured this season, especially compared to the previous seasons of this podcast that have been less traditional? Do you think that it worked, that he had threads and characters that we kept kind of revisiting throughout the series? Oh, yeah, I definitely think it worked. And I think there's that one big switch in the middle right where they where they start talking more about pd live is that what it's live called or PD? live pd yes yeah which i had never even heard of which i like to call what can possibly go wrong yeah. as soon as i heard that that show yeah. was coming the on. most dvr'd tv show of the year two million viewers it's, mm, it's an incredible number nuts. of viewers yeah anyway no i thought i thought it was i thought it was good i thought the whole um it was smart on like a, a number of levels i think and one of which was it does kind of give you a little preview of like a decision that they make when they realize they're having too many, you know, people of color on getting hassled on cops. Mm. So they go and try and find a place where there's a bunch of white people who get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And that turns out to be uh, Spokane. Mm. And I think he makes the point, which, you know, it's really been my, like why I don't watch cops is that it's really, it's, you know, it's about humiliating poor people. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Spokane apparently is a fairly poor city. So you go where the poor people are. I thought it was very good. And I thought, it, you know, it, it it turns out to be, as things go on, it turns out to be how smart that choice is becomes more and more apparent as you go on in the in the show. Yeah, and I think some of the most affecting tape in this podcast is when Dan talks to people uh, in that community who have been... Uh, I mean, Live PD was a thing that this was sort of this section of the show who have been on that particular show over and over and over again. And the producers of that show are clearly targeting them because they know they make Uh for good TV. And Dan does what I think are some of the most sensitive and practical 
and informative interviews with these people who were actually arrested on live TV. I didn't start actually really remembering things until I was in booking. I woke up in booking and I guess I had a mask on my face and a what? A mask on my face because I guess I was spitting. And uh, it was just really embarrassing, you know. Can I ask you, I mean, is that something that happens? Have you blacked out before? Often? You don't have to answer that if you don't want to. I'm Not just... often. Probably like the fourth time I blacked out when the police are around. Laura, what did you think of that section of the podcast? We hear from people who've been on cops. We hear from people who've been on, you know, yeah. live PD. And we hear Dan interacting with them. Did you like those sections as much as I did? I did. You know, it makes me kind of nostalgic for my defense investigator public defender days because that was one of the things that used to really piss me off when there was like a story that came out and somebody got arrested um, and it's like splashed all over the place and then say the person is either acquitted or you know maybe not guilty of what they were charged with that's not splashed all over to the same degree and also there's always a story behind what's going on and uh, you know I liked we had the woman who had like literally just gotten out of jail ridden the bus for three hours and you know she had no recollection I mean I felt horrible she was the one she in the like pink socks in the snow who was just super drunk I appreciated that he went and found these people. I mean, that must have been very hard to track these people down. But the other part that I thought was really kind of, you know, enlightening, but also like bizarre was when they were talking about the live PD show, how like everybody knew somebody that had been on the show. They're like, oh, yeah, so and so was on the show. And so and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like, and how they would go back to the same place like six times trying to get somebody to answer the door. I mean, it was just nuts. Yep. So I appreciated that that was brought to light because that that sort of um, made the the picture a little bit more realistic. Laura, did you ever go on like a a ride along during a drug sweep or anything like that? Well, when I was, you know, first when I was a journalist, I did go, I I got a call. One of my most exciting moments is when I got a call about a dog fighting ring and I just was told to be at a certain location at a certain time. Mm -hmm. And I was like out hiding in the bushes with the photographer. And so I watched it all sort of play out and that was very well orchestrated and low key so not quite how it's portrayed on cops a couple times when i was in radio and then in tv the police would invite us along for when they're going to have an operation where they're going to be rounding up 10 20 different people and you know you all get in a van and everybody jumps out at the same time and you know, it just it is objectively exciting. Mm. You know, there's yeah. an adrenaline thing, and it's just, which is why the car, like when the car chases on TV. I mean, they are exciting. You know, regardless of whether you say, well, this, you're going to start talking about probable cause and other things like that. Your body just reacts to that, to watching that. Oh yeah. But you know, one of the things that I found interesting, I've never done and will not ever do. The we're going to go in with the camera behind you as you kick in the door. Like the Geraldo Rivera example, which sort of set the precedent <laughs> oh, that, fuck that we're going to go You're not with camera put a rolling. Fake mustache yeah, on, with Kevin? the Are you Sam, are you Sam mustache yeah. and a bandana. Yeah. Well, in the state, the, the, they determined that the, a judge ruled that the police have the authority to enter a home for this, you know, circumstance. But what the police can't do is also deputize or give extend that authority to the a journalist. So as far as we're walking in with you. 
like right behind you with the camera and going through the house as you're going through the house. You, say, you can't do that. That's um, you don't have the right to do that. So it doesn't get done around here anymore. Speaking of journalism. Oh. I want to throw something out there and see what you guys think, because it's something that occurred to me as I was like assembling my notes for the show. Mm-hmm. Dan Dabersky does not couch himself as an investigative journalist when he does this. He very yep. much presents himself as I'm a guy who's interested in this topic and I know a lot about it because my background kind of overlaps with it. And this is the thing that I want to tell you guys about. He's a very sort of casual approach in. I just in my notes, just think about the sourcing of this series. Right. We have cops who are on cops in the series. Uh, We have Stephen Chow, who's the creator of the series. Mm -hmm. We have the longtime producer of the series who actually makes the show and his son who continues making the show. Uh, We have the police chief in Spokane. We have the uh, academic, the professor, who does the sort of analysis of the constitutionality of it. We have Lara's favorite character, the Anthony Burgess, who used to be a cop, is very pro-law yeah. enforcement and has become a defense attorney and actually defended somebody in one of these cops' cases. Yeah. There's not a box left unchecked. I mean, anybody who could listen to this podcast and not come away with it, like the actual journalism that's happening in this show, the sourcing of this podcast is almost impeccable. I mean, I cannot think of a point of view which was not captured here. The interesting thing to me was the data journalism. Yeah. Tell me about that. Why was that interesting to you? Well, again, instead of just saying, uh, this is my impression of like what's going on in Cops, they yep. did a super deep dive looking at 800 plus episodes. That's right. And capturing, what did he say, like 38,000 different data points? That's right. And it came up with some interesting things. And some surprising Some findings. very surprising. Toby was talking about the treatment of black suspects on the TV show. And after they had sort of made their adjustments... Dan's team determined that black suspects were arrested 28% of the time. And in real life, black suspects are arrested 29% of the time. So it does reflect, not a fairness thing, but it, like as he said, it reflects what's happening in the real world. But? Which also is not a percentage of who's actually committing the crimes. But to that, that is not, as we would say, a distortion. Right. Okay. Uh, but the most interesting thing was that they said that in real life, traffic stops results in arrest 2% of the time. Mm. And on cops, it's 92% of the time. That's right. That gives a skewed view of what is happening in law enforcement. And I think you really had to do the... And I I would have liked to have heard a little more about the data. I wish he had a little more robust website where he could put some of this stuff. Mm. uh, Because I think that that's... That's super fascinating. I thought it was fascinating that, you know, the data didn't show skewed numbers of arrests of black suspects, but that a disproportionate number of times the arrest of the black suspect happened in the hook of the show to get you to watch it because they know that the audience likes to see that. They like to see a person of color getting chased and arrested. So they always put it at the beginning of the show because that's the hook. And then Dan explains, like, that's how reality shows are built. You do the hook first. And then he did the destroy, build, destroy comparison, mm-hmm. which I don't think he named. But the name of the children's show that Dan Taberski used to produce was called Destroy, Build, Destroy. My kids used to watch it. Right. So, Toby, oh. I know that you are not as trashy a TV consumer as I am. Like, I watch a lot of HGTV. <laughs> I watch a ton of shitty reality shows. I watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Is it helpful for you to hear the construction of a reality show? And, you know, I think we all agree that what this show does is terrible. 
But is it interesting to you to hear about why it's terrible? Like why the cops extend interactions and take a guy out of the car for 10 minutes when that's actually a super dangerous thing to do because the producers need more tape or, you know, why they are putting the black suspect chase to be in the episode. Is that interesting to you or is it just horrifying? Like what did you think of those sort of explanations in this podcast? I mean, I I think it's interesting and it's horrifying and I think it sort of confirms suspicions that I had that, you know, I, I don't think it's just with police, but whenever you put a camera on anybody, it, it changes the way you act, right? It becomes performative. And that's like MTV's whatever that real world show was. And Are you referring to the real world? <laughs> the real world. Whatever the fuck that's called. Um, and uh, Jersey Shore and like all this stuff. It's like you get the camera and, and people are going are gonna to act differently. I mean, that's just the way it is. So that was interesting. I I think the the fact that it's so popular and sort of portrays this sort of, you know, hyper adrenalinized approach to police work. And I was I was thinking back to other things that we've that we've watched and I was thinking about Flint Town and about how you know, affecting it was after watching Flint Town like at the very end they have this very like kind of chilled out traffic stop by this one cop with a, I think an African-American teenage uh, girl. And she starts off by giving the wrong, her uh, a fake name and stuff. Yep. And he's just like, look, why are you giving me a fake name? All this stuff. And it's just very sort of like, it doesn't escalate, you know, they just have, you know, she, she gets freaked out. They have sort of a, a kind of a nervous, but calm conversation. And then he kind of sends her on her way and I remember just thinking, like, okay, like, that's... We want more of that. That's a good police interaction. And it seems like in Cops, and again, I haven't really watched it. Like, I've seen the ads and stuff. But certainly the way the ads portray it is the exact opposite of that, which is, like, premium a- escalation at all times. Mm. But you know what that Flint Town traffic stop is? Bad TV. Yeah. Right? So it's not going to be... That's not the B block for episode 57 season 21 of cops the but the next stop where they gave the bad name and then they find out they're on you know, there's an outstanding warrant and all the other stuff that might make good tv so the 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 problem is that what is the actual profession of policing which one of the uh retired officers talked about is it doesn't think it portrays the profession of policing it doesn't do traffic stops and filling out paperwork and doing Civil standbys and uh, you know all wellness the, checks. Yeah, wellness checks and traffic stops that are just okay. You were speeding. Here's your ticket, or hey, go go have a nice day. It, it doesn't do the public safety thing that it could and should because what makes for good reality TV? You know, it's the adrenaline. Right. Well, Stephen Chow, and, and, and also like you say, confirming our suspicions about. You know some of the the motivations about right. airing this suspect and that suspect and this crime. And that but crime. Stephen Chow talks very transparently about that in the podcast. But this is a product. He made America's Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. When that show debuted, they arrested the most wanted person in America in four yeah. days. Yeah, and now he wanted to make another product. This product. Yeah, you can't think about it as as it's. It is trying to be news, but it's not its product. And yeah. Dan's explanation of the difference between what you can do on news, using the Roger Stone arrest as an example, you can observe but not interfere. You can show faces without a release because it's news and that cops pretends to be news, but it's actually embedded in the police department by invitation. Yeah. 
which skews that relationship a little bit. Can I ask you a question? Sure. What did you think about the passage where they took a clip from, I guess it was season one, mm. and he said, this is what it could have been, Yeah. and it follows the female officer dropping the off the The unnamed female officer, Right, yeah. and that was seemed to be like more of a real slice of life looking at a more complex policing issue. It felt issue. so current, too, because it yeah. was had to do with addiction and like uh, parents who were in over their heads. What if it had been 30 years of that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, and I, I think that America's relationship with police departments might be look a little different if it had been thirty years. I really do. Mm-hmm. Knowing, like, under now fully having the understanding of how popular the show is, I mean, I do think, and I, I can't say this enough. I mean, Dan talks about it like, you know, as being PR for police departments and all that stuff. I do think the part of the, you know, unintended consequence of this show is normalizing violent interactions between cops and citizens. Yeah. It's normalized them so that even later when the advent of the iPhone did happen and you'd see a cop arresting somebody without cause and you'd see them, you know, doing these violent restraints and stuff. If you've watched a million episodes of Cops, you've seen it a million times, so you don't realize it's wrong because you've seen it on TV a million times. But these are the ones that the the department okayed. That's right. You know, I don't watch I don't watch cop shows, but my sense is is that there's a certain amount of like sort of human element aspects of things and and you know heart strings and and all that stuff and like if you can literally do whatever you want in a fictional cop show and you and you include that like why wouldn't you think that that would be a good thing to include in like a quote unquote reality cop show right where you're like you know it's not just slamming guys against the pavement and like stepping on their heads and you know, getting them for possession of crack or whatever, but it's also dealing with people who are in distress and trying to help them out of their situation or or whatever. Isn't that the kind of thing that people like to see as well? Because it certainly seems like people write that stuff into shows. Seems like a choice they're not making. But that's the, that's the thing that the time pop culture has evolved, but cops has not. I mean, right now in pop culture, we have as absurd as it is, SVU. We have Olivia Benson, the most ridiculously empathetic character on television, as like our paragon super cop, right? And then we have you know cops still on doing the same stupid shit that if they did it on an episode of SVU, it would be like you're a bad cop. Yeah, but they do have those, and they do have you know stops that are interactions that are end up being like actually very funny mm. and not consequential but they are that's not predominantly what they're they're producing so now what you see in the opening credits now Laura yeah. um yes. as I was listening to this podcast I found myself wondering hmm. uh how you were reacting to moments in this podcast so I don't know if you can like brick your scale for me one to ten on a few things if I just like run down a list for you okay would that All be right. okay yeah because there, there was some moments where I was like getting pretty pissed so okay so in the section where we hear that cops uh, the producers are cooperating with police departments and basically telling people who have been arrested on the show that if they don't sign a release to appear on the show, they could then be arrested for some other crime. Brichter scale, one to ten. Uh, How are you on that? 8.5. <laughs> okay. Um, when we had this section where Dan was talking to... Dr. Powers, he's the expert witness and use of police force. Uh, oh, yeah. He meant to talk to him about Y2K, but then he ended, ended up talking to him about some of the constitutional rights violations in cops. And then they went through a couple of those rights violations, pretext stops, obtaining evidence, quote, in a manner that shocks the conscience with the flashlight in the mouth scene, uh, the Ugh. police dog chase. And oh. um, 
why it is the cops want to do this on TV. Oh my God, that one. Where were you on the scale there? So the flashlight in the mouth and the dog thing, I like lost my mind. I was actually walking as I was listening to this. I'm going to I'm gonna go to nine on that because the flashlight in the mouth and the dog thing were just absolutely fucking ridiculous mm. and just so out of line. It just made me like, what is wrong with people? Uh, anyway. Next. All right. Uh, next is um, <laughs> we 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 meet we meet a character named Randy. He was on multiple times on uh, that. I think he was on that live show, the live PD oh. show. He then recorded a producer uh, trying oh, yeah. to get him to sign the release. And basically, what the cop and the producer say to him is, uh, "The only guys who don't sign the release are usually guilty." And we also found out they paid him. And this is also, uh, by the way... A, 40 bucks. Yeah, this is also, by the way, a show that is uh, parading as news. They have Dan Abrams, an MSNBC host, as their host. Ugh. What did you think of that interaction, especially when we hear Randy on camera during one of these live PD shoots telling the cops, please stop Leave harassing me, me. I'm not in a yeah. gang. And then the cop reads his arrest record on live TV. Go. That was the part. Okay, that was the part where I like really started to... I just was like, this was re fucking ridiculous part it was like where they were like he has like you know 87 bazillion arrests and then they're like actually no he actually doesn't have all these arrests you're counting every charge he actually had been arrested like 12 times which i mean that sounds like a lot it's really when you're dealing with people that have been arrested like i mean i used to deal with people doing defense work that's not really that much but to make it sound so inflated the way that they did on the show was just it was just it made me so angry i i was just but you know what it is it's that these cops are just playing to this tv show in such a way and and was that the one where the cop is now like actually like a special consultant to the show mm. because he did yeah. such a good job or was that one of the other cops who then got like a special job Ugh. all right so one final one Laura, are you ready Okay. All right. Ben Stuckert, Hero City Council President of Spokane, Washington, who wants to greatly yes. limit the activities of reality shows involving policing because of the harm it does to citizens. We learned that he prints out his tweets. Where does that land you on the Brichter scale? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really understand why he prints out his tweets. I think I might have missed that part. <laughs> it's not how Twitter works. It's not how Twitter well, works. Well, you know what? Uh, he's old school. He wants to have a record, you know, so that when the next Y2K comes, he's got all his information ready to go hmm. when the internet crashes. All right. Well, um, I think we're getting close to being able to do what we do and review the show. But before we do, I have one final question for you all. Yeah. Toby Ball, what is your drag name? The first pet in the street where you lived, as Dan explains to us on this podcast, Toby Ball. What is your on dragon? the street where I live now? When you were Childhood up. street and first pet. Omar Shore. <laughs> wow. It's not bad. What about you, Kevin? What is your drag name? Uh, Heidi Linden. Oh, oh, that's so good. It's a good one, right? What about you, Lara? What is your drag name, childhood, pet, and street where you lived? I'm trying to remember which dog came first. I'm going to give you two that you can choose from. We can either have Bridget Valley mm-hmm. or Liebchen Valley. Oh, wow. Liebchen Valley. It's good. Liebchen. Yeah. I am Ginger yeah. Maryland, by the way. <laughs> Ginger Maryland. Ginger Maryland. Make a great drag queen. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do what we do. I think Kevin's is the best. Heidi what? Linden. Heidi Linden. Linden it's hot. Yeah. All right, let's do what we do. Let's give Dan Taberski's Headlong, Running from Cops, season three of his uh, podcast series, a thumbs up or thumbs down review, and briefly explain why you are giving that review. 
Lara Bricker, I'm going to start with you. I am going thumbs up. Um, I really liked it, even though it did enrage me. It helped me get back into my exercise routine after vacation because I walked like 15 minutes longer than I expected to because I was so like pissed off at things that were happening. But it's great because, you know, I've watched a few episodes of Cops. I don't watch it that much. If it's on, I sing the little song just because it's kind of catchy. But I really think it was good in that it shed light on the show in such a way that it really... You brought out how society has been affected by this show in terms of perception of cops and policing and the way that it actually works versus how it works on TV. Thumbs up. And also, I love all the little sides, like just totally random things that happen, like the city council assistant who's like putting on the uh, armrest for the chair in one scene. (laughs) So there's some kind of like quirky things, which I appreciate as well. Yeah, me too. I think um, I'm going to give my review next, by the way, because I want to make Dan wait another minute for Toby's (laughs) review. I think that Dan Taberski is better at telling this kind of story than anybody else in podcasting. I think he is a superstar of this genre. I will continue to listen to anything that he makes, and I think this show did not disappoint. I loved it. This was a real look at a very, very important influence on our criminal justice system that nobody has talked about before. He traces it historically back to Dragnet, which I thought was fascinating, and the cooperation between law enforcement, which is the state, and TV production companies, which is the media, which is truly a frightening concept. And he makes it clear that it's frightening without frightening you as a listener. As a listener, you are entertained. You are drawn into the story. You learn a whole lot. But this is also pretty freaking terrifying and also funny because it's Dan Taberski. So huge thumbs up for me. I love the series running from cops. Toby Ball. Dan Taberski is really hoping to get a legit untainted thumbs up from you someday. Oh. Where are you on headlong running from cops? I'm super nervous. What do you think, Toby Ball? Well, first of all, I did find it terrifying. Mm. This whole sort of nexus of the state and the media and then like with a real directed purpose about what its sort of worldview is that it's trying to get across to people. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I mean, it's it's right up my alley. You know, I think his past couple things, like Dan obviously – He's a really good writer, and he's really good at making podcasts. And the in the last two things, I had my little issues with. But I, this one, this thing, I thought was great. Yeah, I, I, I just, I just really, really enjoyed it. No hesitations, no qualms, <laughs> no nothing. I just think it's, uh, it's really well done. It's smart. It's thoughtful. You know, I, I think he kind of elevates what the concept was uh, to something again, which I think at moments is is, is kind of profound. Mm. So anyway, uh, like big thumbs up for me. Wow. Wow. I'm so excited. And I'm so relieved. Now, Kevin, don't fuck this up. I won't. What is your thumbs I up or thumbs Dan down Dan review? Dan <laughs> just pushed that, that South by Southwest film trophy off of his shelf <laughs> to make place to print out this tweet and frame it. Saying that Toby Ball finally gave him a thumbs up. An unadulterated thumbs up. An unadulterated thumbs Toby up. Toby did give him a thumbs up for Surviving Y2K, but it was with reservations. Yeah. No reservations here. Kevin, right. where are you on Running From Cops? Uh, Running From Cops is great. It's not a Peabody award-winning investigative piece of journalism. It's not meant to be. It does probably confirm more suspicions than uh, sheds a light on something that we didn't know. But, you know, I always wanted to know, why would these people sign those forms? Because people lied to them to get them to do that? Fantastic. Yeah, or they just that didn't was do an... it? They didn't ask? Yes. 
This is my time, Rebecca. That was mostly a rhetorical question. Look, but it what makes it is some solid journalism, some thoughtful research covering all the bases in a very even-handed way, and it just is held together by. Dan Taberski, who's the star? He's like Bing Crosby, just gleefully moving through the story. He's the Burlives snowman from <laughs> from from. from Dude, uh, how old are you? From uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. He's just he's just charming, and he is. When you hear him do the interviews, it confirms that the person who is doing this is the person who is the, your narrator. I mean, I mean the same individual. I mean the same person, right? Mm. He's authentic. He has his asides. Does he need to have like this the Simpsons sound effects, like when he's talking about the Simpsons? Probably not. But look, you're gonna forgive him because he's just tap dancing his way right through this in a very joyful way that is also both informative mm. and entertaining. Big thumbs up. I want Dan Taberski to come over, tuck me in, and tell me a bedtime story. <laughs> yeah, me too. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Ooh, the train is going by Laura's I house. I know, the train Here comes some by. good special effects. Let's just enjoy them for a minute. I have good Foley all the time. Are we going to have another haunting train whistle? Probably. Um, there it goes. Oh, there it goes. It's like, it's like breakdown. Yeah. Can you do like a little Bill uh, thing right now? Like as if he's <laughs> hearing these train sounds and explaining the breakdown. Wow. Or... There's a train. <laughs> they used to call that the Iron Horse. <laughs> <laughs> It's bringing stuff to people far away, <laughs> like cars and plasma TVs. I think this is the gravel train, Kevin. <laughs> it's bringing gravel. That way you can pave your driveway. You can put a drainage ditch around That's your house. Right. <laughs> Need something to fill up the base of that basketball hoop? <laughs> that train's coming your way. Just look for old number seven. <laughs> Oh, it's slowing down. Maybe it's dropping some stuff off. Uh, you want to have Rockvite behind Laura Bricker's house? Run to I'm the gravel train. I'm afraid someone's <laughs> going to hop off it. Like someone's going to ride along and I'm going to wake up if some and like... You mean a hobo? Me. You mean an actual I mean, hobo? 
You mean <laughs> like hobo <a> Americans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I have a barn on my property. It'd be a really good hideout for a hobo. (laughs) (laughs) Hop the train. Just saying. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast. A little something I like to call the crime Crime of of the week. The week. I haven't read this, Kevin. (laughs) Here we go. Go for it. An Indiana man is suing his parents for doing the unthinkable. Throwing away his porn stash. Here's the rub nice it's not a mere pile of treasured girly magazines court paperwork says the collection consisted of twenty nine thousand dollars worth of pornographic tapes dvds and sex toys which filled 14 moving boxes the man identified in documents only as charlie moved in with his parents in michigan following his divorce After some kind of dispute, the man left 10 months later and moved to the Hoosier State. When his parents dropped off the boxes of his belongings, the treasures of his spank bank were not included. (laughs) The Detroit Free Press has a frustrated Charlie filed a criminal complaint against his parents. But in a stroke of bad luck, the sheriff declined to press charges. You just keep doing it over and over again, Kevin. Charlie confronted his father, who said they spent the better part of a day destroying the porn. What? Dad said they got rid of his cache of smut for Charlie's own good. If they can't beat the rap, the parents may have to pay for the cost of replacement and damages. Nicely done, Kevin. So, panel, it surely took Charlie a long time to amass such a collection only to see it get tossed off. Oh, God. (laughs) What item do you think he will miss the most? Laura Bricker, what do you think? I had no idea. So I have some um, actual porn names for you um, of actual movies. 10-inch Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Instead of Full House, you've got Full Holes. Nice. Oh. Mighty Muffin Pounder Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps Strokemon. Nice. Oh. nice. Let, were you using your personal laptop or your work laptop when you did those searches? Um, I'm using program? my iPhone, and I'm afraid that um, I'm going to start getting pop-up things. Yeah. That was, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. Oh, you got that like family share feature that's going <laughs> <pop up. laughs> <laughs> to pop up on Will's phone. Oh, God. All right. Uh, Toby Ball took Charlie a long time to amass his collection of smut, only to see it get tossed off what do you think he's going to miss the most well this this goes back to the 90s uh there was a movie called legends of the fall with mm-hmm. brad pitt yep. i don't know if you oh, saw yeah. that of course he did all right well a, a buddy of mine back in dc got drunk he was like eh, if i ever make a porno movie it's going to be called legends of my balls <laughs> 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 and that is a new special Patreon podcast available to our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin Flynn, what do you think poor Charlie is going to miss the most? His crunchy sock. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> All right. Well, we should probably end it on that very classy note sorry parents listening with your children Lara Bricker before we wrap up the show this week do we have a cat of the week um, we do have a cat of the week courtesy of my stranding in the San Juan airport 
So I put out the call to our listeners. If anybody could give me some suggestions of things to do since I was stranded there. Instead, they sent me cat pictures. So I would like to thank, and I don't know their real names, Bunny Cha-Cha for sending Henry and Iggy. Minty with her dog. Miss Wifey had a cat parade. Kate C. had Hurley the cat on a tropical scratching post. And Howard just had a really nice looking white and gray cat. But I actually left the airport and met a one-eyed cat in San Juan and discovered there is legit an entire street of cats in old San Juan. Nice. So anyway, it was fate. All right, Laura Bricker, we want to entertain you the next time you are stranded in Puerto Rico trying to get home from your April vacation. How can they find you on Twitter? At Laura Bricker. And Toby Ball, if Dan Taberski wants to send you a tweet to thank you for your unqualified thumbs up review for his podcast, Running From Cops, how can he and he alone find you on Twitter? Well, if he does do that, I'm going to recommend a story for him to read. Spokane is actually the hometown of one of my favorite authors, Jess Walter, who wrote this uh, story called Statistical Abstract from my hometown of Spokane, Washington, Hmm. which uh, I think might have been in a magazine to begin with, but it's in a story collection called We Live in Water. Um, Anyway, so if people are interested, it's a pretty interesting story. But if Dan wants to reach me, it's at Toby Ball NH. Wow, that took a left turn into some literary stuff. Kevin Flynn, people want to reach out to you with book recommendations, good wishes for the next part of your cancer journey. How can they find you on Twitter? As always, I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On. And I strenuously encourage you to join the amazing community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook group. We also have a regular Facebook page. Support the show on Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. You'll get the after show, Mary with Podcast, Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcast, and... Lara's Leave It to Bricker podcast. Our theme song was performed by the New York Sky Jazz Ensemble and used with permission. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our basement where hidden cameras capture the worst day of our lives. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Toby, what did you have for breakfast? No, 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 no. No? Toby, tell us about your first kiss. What? You want him to be able to talk about something. Okay, no, no. What? I was a junior in college, and I was super drunk. His name was Tucker. Tucker. It's Tucker Carlson. Okay, we got it. We're good. That's enough? Yeah, that's definitely more than we needed. Okay. uh, Laura, how old were you when you... Lost your no, teddy no, bear. No. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. How old were you when you had your first job, your first paying job? I don't know. I was probably like 14, maybe. I don't know. What was my first paying job? I had so many different jobs. Yeah. Um, I think my first real paying job was at this bed and breakfast um, when I first got my license. Vermont, yes. girl. Yeah. Kevin, question for you. Yes. How many times did you vomit during your first sexual encounter? Oh, well, okay. I literally, I literally was telling this story at lunch today. It's my all-time favorite. Not, not the sex oh, detail. God. It's my all-time favorite. Because the question at lunch was, "What was the drunkest you ever got?" And I don't know if this was the drunkest I ever got, but it was the best story. And I would say that I threw up three times. Partners in crime media.
Own iconic luxury items at unreal values with The Real Real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury from top designers at up to 90% off retail. Every item is authenticated by The Real Real's team of experts, and new arrivals come in daily. New customers receive an automatic $25 off at checkout. Shop in-store, online, or download the app and get 20% off select items with the promo code REAL. Real. The Real Real com promo code real everything is changing so fast i mean back in my day we were lucky if we could get one video to load but now with the xfinity 10g network you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag the future starts now restrictions apply actual speeds vary and not guaranteed